This is fun. Did you guys feel the earthquake today? Uh, we've been talking about that already. Uh, I think it was Jordan when I came in today. He was saying that uh, there was a meme or something that had already gone on to Facebook of pastors rewriting their sermons this morning to go along with it. <laughs> that makes a lot of sense to me. I love that. You know, so oh, it's good to see you guys back. The um, the uh, and I heard there was the, the the largest earthquake in in history for North Carolina. Has that been confirmed? It's 1916. All right. All right, 100 years, generational quake. Yes. So the, one of the passages that uh, I was going to speak from, I'll go ahead and, and launch into, uh, because I think you know, it may have something to do with what we're doing and dealing with today. Um, if you guys remember a few weeks ago, Tiffany was talking about uh, the shaking. And so I asked John this morning, I was like, do you have a word for what's going on right now? And he said, I think Tiffany gave it a month ago. <laughs> oh, man, if you guys listen to Tiffany, I mean, please receive from her. Whatever's coming out of her mouth right now, it's transforming. You know, she was, seeing, she was talking about, you know, uh, let your peace guide you in this season. Oh, I, I hope you've anchored into that already because there, there is wisdom in that and there is refreshing in that. There is solid ground in what she was saying. Uh, she was saying, you know, is a shaking from God or the devil? It doesn't matter. There's peace in the middle of it. Ah, so good. And so then, uh, you know, she was talking about our focus, and then Randall came in a couple weeks ago and talked about focus as well and making sure that, you know, we were guarding what we're putting into our eyes. And I hope also that you were receiving from that. That's been a message that we keep on hearing in these days is be careful what you put into your heart. Um, we're going to talk today about how to keep your focus in these days of great evil. Uh, how to keep your heart free of that evil that's, that's around us. It's a message for all time. It's especially pertinent right now because we are given an opportunity to invest in the reformation of our country, of the world in this hour. And so there's a lot that seems to be competing for it. And so I think today, after this time, you're going to have a chance to have some really practical ways that you can walk through this season well, to inherit all that is yours, and to not miss a thing that the Lord is doing for you. Because as AJ said, you all have a personal calling in this season, and it's not going to be missed. And so we know in Luke 13, verse 4, if you guys have your, your scriptures, your Bibles with you, in Luke 13, verse 4, Jesus has been, you know, walking around for quite some time at this point, and, you know, he's like Yoda, you know, he's, he's become so well-known in culture that people would just want to hear whatever, whatever he says is going to be good, you know. Um, you know, sometimes we, uh, you know, we've had family gatherings like on Thanksgiving, and, and there's some debate amongst the guys that's going on. We'll be watching the football game, and we'll run in who's better this year. And, and at some point, there's like Uncle Larry, you know, and, and he gives that off-the-wall opinion, and you're looking forward to hearing it because it's going to be one of those opinions that you just, you just you're like, that's, that's Larry. That's a good one. But you're kind of waiting for a granddad, you know, to settle the, you know, the argument. And whatever he says, you know, I've been around for a long time, and this is the truth. And you're like, okay. Well, in this time, there was these uh, debates that were going on in the culture uh, about sin, you know, and, and there are karma-like discussions. Um, when something bad happens, 
you know, whose sin was it? Was it this person's or was it this person's? And they would, they would talk about these things at like the gates of the city and all the elders, they would get together and they would wonder with one another, well, it must have been this person's sin. It must have been that person's grandparents', grandparents sin. And, and it was just all this focus on the negative. And as a result, they got pulled into it quite heavily and they became a very religious culture. And so in Luke 13, you know, this time, some people came and reported to him about uh, these Galileans. And Galileans, this is where Jesus came from. It's the lake region there in Israel. They were known as kind of like a bunch of rabble-rousers and some rascals, and they, they didn't always follow the kosher lines, and they could be the ones also that were instigating the revolts and the rebellions, and they wanted to go after Rome because Rome was oppressive and they were not friendly, and, uh, and so the Galileans had become known for this. That's not quite certain in this passage that, that that was a context, but that is a very strong connotation here. And they reported to him about these Galileans whose blood Pilate had mixed with their sacrifices. And so these Galileans who could have been revolutionaries, nonetheless, they were devout, and they'd gone to church. And in the middle of church, Pilate, who was the Roman governor at the time, a cruel dictator who was spilling the blood of people all over Israel, came in and and killed these folks. They were making sacrifices to the Lord, and Pilate killed them. And so the the folks who were around Jesus, they asked, uh, whose blood, uh, they they asked him about this. And, And so Jesus asked this rhetorical question, which was like the, the, the question that was going on amongst the elders. Do you think that these Galileans were more sinful than all Galileans because they suffered these things? <laughs> so that, you know, Jesus, they're going to church. They're, they're making sacrifices. Why, why would you ask that question? You know, but it was a normal question, you know, that at the time. People would wonder, well, you know, maybe they really weren't that about, or surely because these bad things happened to them, and we're under a covenant that says these bad things shouldn't happen to us, and they were doing something bad at the time. And so he asked this question, and in, in this day that we're in, people are asking a lot of similar questions. You know, why am I in such pain? Is it this person's fault? You know, did that person who did that thing, uh, you know, were they, were they just so terrible? Well, maybe it was their parents who raised them. Well, maybe it was their great-grandparents. Maybe it was because of World War I or World War II, the Civil War. And, and, and there's a lot of discussion about how evil happens and who deserves evil and who deserves to have bad things happen to them. It's like a karma discussion. It's, it's popular and in vogue because somehow we want to have control. We want to know what it is that is going to make us able to avoid such things. You know, we want to make sure that we are in good standing either with God or with the culture, with one another, so that doesn't happen to me. And, and so it's actually an understandable question. I want to be able to take a step forward tomorrow and know where my foot is going to land. I want to be able to know that I can feed my children tomorrow. You know, if there's something that would threaten that, I need to know what it is. So was it this Galilean's blood? Was it, was it them? And then his response, no, I tell you. <laughs> But unless you repent, <clears throat> but unless you repent, you also will perish as well. And so he, he turns it back around and says, hey, you know, you're looking around everywhere else. But in this, in, in these days and these times, what are you doing to, to look at yourself? And we're, we're in a wonderful season 
where there's everything that can be shaken is shaken. And that's causing me to shake. You know? I mean, I love what Randall said. He's, he said that he's concerned, you know. Um, but I'm paraphrasing because I forget the last part. But he said, I'm not overwhelmed. I'm not, I'm not in despair. You know, I'm not in consternation. <clears throat> but he is concerned. And, and there are things naturally that, that ought to be causing us to question a lot of things right now. And so Jesus is redirecting our focus from other people <clears throat> and first pointing it back at us. And it's not this like pleasant, happy, God is good kind of answer. It's like, hey, repent. Otherwise, it could happen to you too. You're like, <laughs> Jesus, you're bringing good news. <laughs> this is, <laughs> what is this? <clears throat> but is it not good news when you get clarity? Can I please get an amen on that? Amen. Is it not good news when you get clarity about what really matters? And then here's the part, which maybe it happened because there was an earthquake. I just wanted to put that in. Uh, in verse 4, or those 18 that the Tower of Siloam fell on, maybe because of an earthquake, and killed. Do you think they were more sinful than all the people who live in Jerusalem? Oh, man. So no, I tell you, but unless you repent, you also will perish as well. Jesus has this way of looking at world events that I think is, is needed for us right now. He, he was able to navigate through great evil at all times. He was constantly being sought after for his life. His own family members were disowning him. Everywhere he went, he was being rejected. Uh, nothing was stable. The, the, you know, the, the people that he loved were being ruled by others who were oppressive, who were nasty, who were crucifying, hanging up people, bleeding, and it was just a, a nasty culture, nasty mess. How did he navigate those waters and remain Jesus, who I don't think at all times was heavy and, and really just trying to make sure that he was going to save the world, but he was full of joy. Amen. The kingdom of heaven is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit, who is fully in Jesus. So this man walked with peace and joy. There was a lightheartedness. In him was life. And that life is the light of all of us. We see that life and we're like, oh man, I want that. When you're around people that are full of this joy, full of this peace, they seem buoyant amongst life's circumstances. Don't you want to hang out with them and just kind of like, maybe that will rub off on me sometimes. I'm looking for those people in these days right now, by the way, you know. <laughs> Please be that to a neighbor. And we're going to find out how to do that. So Jesus had this way of, of thinking about things. And, uh, and so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to also look at, and we're going to begin to focus here, okay? So we're going we're gonna to begin to focus on focus. We're going to focus on how Jesus, I think, is teaching us how to get through it. And so in Matthew 13, he has the parable of the wheat and the tares. And this is a parable that um, is, is a powerful one. It has to do with judgment, and that's not where I'm going to go with it right now. It also has to do with how he focused through the time. And so in the parable of the wheat and the tares, I'll read it for you. Matthew chapter 13, verse 24. <clears throat> he presented another parable to them. and said, The kingdom of heaven may be compared to a man who sowed good seed in his field. But while people were sleeping, his enemy came, sowed weeds among the wheat, and left. And these weeds looked just like the wheat. The word in the Greek is, is the type of weed that looks just like this wheat, except inside it's hollow. When the plants sprouted and produced grain, then the weeds also showed themselves for what they were. The landowner's servants or slaves came to him and said, Master, didn't you sow good seed in your field? Then where did the weeds come from? 
And the master said, an enemy did this. So do you want us to go and gather them up? The slaves asked. No, he said, when you gather up the weeds, you might also uproot the wheat with them. Let both grow together until the harvest. At harvest time, I'll reap and I'll tell the reapers, gather the weeds first and tie them in bundles and burn them, but store the wheat in my barn. And then he went on to explain what this meant in the following chapter uh, in verse 37. The one who sows the good seed is the, uh, is the son of man. <clears throat> the field is the world. And now some commentators, I believe, that the field is also the church or just purely the church. Uh, as I'm going to tell it to you now, I'm just going to go straight with what Jesus is saying, that in this case, uh, I, I believe that it's, it's the world. But if you want to believe it's the church, you can as well. The field is the world and the good seed. These are the sons of the kingdom. The weeds are the sons of the evil one. And the enemy who sowed them is the devil. The harvest is the end of the age, and the harvesters are angels. Therefore, just as the weeds are gathered and burned in the fire, so it will be at the end of the age. The Son of Man will send out his angels, and they will gather from his kingdom everything that causes sin and those guilty of lawlessness. They will be thrown into the blazing furnace, where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Then the righteous will shine like the sun in the Father's kingdom, and anyone who has ears to hear, listen." There was a preciousness that Jesus sees in each one of you. You're the, the wheat. You've received the, the word of God. You're following Jesus. You love him. You worship him. And, and you're growing more and more every day to be like him. We have slips and we have falls. Uh, but yet nonetheless, we turn back, even like you did today, and he's pleased with you. You are innocent in his eyes. This is who you are. At the same time, amongst all of us, everywhere we look in the world, there are those that are walking according to the ways of the world, according to the evil one, and we see them. And if you're anything like me, our tendency is to stare at them. Yes. And point at them. Not you. Just again. And just look at them and say, they're, they're right there. Do you see them? They're, they're right there. I've got five daughters. I'm a pastor. They're, they're right there. Make sure that you see them. Do you see them? They're right there. We should do something about them. Jesus says, hey, hey, I've got this. Be careful what you focus on. Okay? Jesus is saying the antidote to pulling up good wheat in our zeal to go after the bad is to focus on his righteousness one day, making all things good. And so the temptation that we have to want to come up with a solution out of that fear, that's not going to lead to good fruit. And it's rampant everywhere we are right now. The, 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 the goodness, the kindness, the mercy of the Lord leads to repentance. It's hard to find mercy, goodness, kindness in your heart when you're staring at the evil thing. You know? and, and how do you know if they're evil or not? Jesus also tells a parable about the, the, these false prophets, that they're like trees that are bearing bad fruit because the roots are bad. Yeah. And so there's good fruit, and you look at the fruit, and you say, well, that, that fruit's good. Okay, you're good now. But this fruit over here is bad. And this person over here, they're, they're bearing bad fruit. And he's like, you can't actually tell 
the prophet or the person based on the fruit that they have. However, he also says at that same time, with the trees, only tear up the trees that are bearing bad fruit. And so as you're looking at the wheat and the tares, the people that are out there, and you notice that there's something kind of stinky with that fruit over there, give yourself space to gaze at them for what is good. Because I'd hate for you or anyone else here to miss the good in that person and chop them out of your life. When you haven't and you missed on the other side of the tree, there's a great, beautiful branch that's bearing good fruit. If you don't walk around that tree long enough and pay attention to it, you're going to miss that. And right now, it's so easy in our culture to just jump on the first little blip that pops up on Facebook and say, look, that person, they did that wrong thing. They should die. <laughs> I don't ever think that. <laughs> That's the people up there. The bad people. <clears throat> and then we come to find out months later that there's a whole other side of that tree. <sighs> So can we be a people of patience that we're sowing good fruit for generations ahead with our kindness, with our buoyancy, knowing that Jesus, he can sort these things out just fine. He promised that he would. Can we, can we anchor ourselves into that place? It feels good to do that. It feels really good to, to stay in that place. This is the, the same parable, I believe, that Jesus is talking about with the log in the eye. You know, you, you look at the speck there, but be careful of the, the log. And I'm going to interject something that isn't in the text, but I think it makes sense that if you look at the speck for long enough, it becomes a log in your eye. Yes. You know, Galatians 6, Paul tells us, hey, listen, if you see sin, you know, correct it in your brother, but be careful lest you fall into the same sin. Okay, why did he say that? You know, he, he's, he's, he's digging it out. He's, he's looking for it. There was a uh, story, and I, I can't remember which picture this happened to. I think it was Mitch Williams uh, facing Joe Carter in like the 93 World Series. Um, I, don't, I could be wrong about that. It could have been an earlier one. But anyway, he throws it inside. Carter knocks it out, wins the World Series. It was amazing. It was one of the most glorious moments, unless you're Mitch Williams and all the Phillies fans. And so, and so the story goes, either him or the coach, before they went to pitch Joe Carter, they knew he loves inside fastballs. Whatever you do, don't throw him an inside fastball. And the coach or whoever looked at Mitch and said, don't throw him an inside fastball. That's all you're going to do. You're going to be fine. Don't throw inside. And then he walks off. He's focused on it now. So what does he do? (laughs) So, I mean, you know, if you've had, you know, uh, sisters, little ones, or, you know, kids, and and you tell your kid, you know, don't go in that room right there. (laughs) You know, it's just like it's like an automatic (laughs) system to go in there. (laughs) They can't help it now. You just set them loose. They didn't know the door was there. 
It's your fault. And they'll tell you. We, we can become consumed with the things of others instead of being consumed by the things of God. The things that you focus on can kill you. They, they, they can kill you. You know, Jesus, with these parables about the tower and about the tares, he is wonderfully giving you clarity. You have self-control. You have power over your eyes. No one else does. The devil doesn't. You do. You, you've been given God in you. God can do whatever he wants to. You're saying, yes, God, I want to do this today. And he says, okay. Well, then let's go focus on that. Okay, let's do that. But I, there's this thing over here in this person. Well, what do you want to do with that? You're telling me not to look at him. I know. Well, what do you want to do with that? Oh, that's, that's too much freedom. And he's like, but that's your choice. <clears throat> we are a people of responsibility. That's why this place is open today, because we trust you guys. Yeah. You are a people of self-control. And so we... We hear Jesus, and we see him walking this way. You know, his mother rejects him. His mother calls him essentially crazy with his brothers. And that would that'd be heartbreaking. This is the same mother that looked at him and said, hey, listen, we need some wine for the party. You know, hey, I want to have a good time at a wedding. I've lost my, my husband over the years, and I, I want to have a good time at a wedding. Can you please, before your time, give some wine? And he's like, for my mom, of course. Before his time, he did this. And then later, the same one who had his heart rejects him. That hurts. But what was he focused on? What the Father was saying to him. What the Father was revealing to him at all times. He's given us, this is, this is the Son of God telling us how he lives his life. And the Son is always pointing to the Father. The Father and the Son are one. So this is actually how the Father sees us. He's choosing not to look at the bad fruit, the stinky stuff, in a way that would cause his wrath to come upon you. That's why in the Psalms, so often you see the psalmist saying, hey, look at my sin no more, oh God. Because when the focus of God is upon you in that way, you feel it. And you just, you, you, you don't want that. And, and so you learn quickly to repent as Christians. The older and more mature you get, the quicker you are to say, I'm so sorry. I don't know what I did. Whatever it is, I'm sorry. <laughs> It's easier that way. <laughs> Jesus gives us grace, too. He says, you know, sometimes we do see some bad trees. And, and we can't see, we've, we've looked around, we can't see any good in this person. Maybe they're working next to you in the cubicle, or maybe, you know, I don't know, they're just, they're just close to you. Maybe they're that Uncle Larry, you know, that, <clears throat> that you may have or may not have. Um, and we see in, uh, let's see, Luke 13 again, Jesus is going to tell us a little bit about mercy, which is going to be one of the places that I want us to land in as a, as a church. Because in Luke 13, verse 6, and he told this parable, a man had a fig tree that was planted in his vineyard. He came looking for fruit on it and found none. He told the vineyard worker, listen, for three years I've come looking for fruit on this tree and I haven't found any. Cut it down. Why should it be, why should it even waste the soil? But then the worker replied to him, and this is our job, by the way. The, there's the, the, the man that had the fig tree he planted. You know, this is the, the Lord. He's given us the, the priesthood. Okay, so, so we're the ones, 
if I could say it like this, that are closest to the trees. I know that he's closer than all of us, but he's given us responsibility to tend to one another, to look after one another, to, to care for one another. He, he, you know, our ministry to pray, you know, like Brittany was saying, uh, like, like everyone just then said, when we pray for our city, it actually moves the hand of God to bring mercy and help. And so as your eyes are seeing that bad fruit, as soon as you open your mouth and pray, I see that, God. I'm getting ahead of myself. But he replied to him, Sir, leave it this year also until I dig around it and fertilize it. Perhaps it will bear fruit next year. But then if not, you can cut it down. And so, hey, hold on a second, God. Wait, 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 wait. You know, in, in this season, you know, there, I'm not seeing a lot of this, but I know that it's out there. People are like wanting bad judgment. Oh, tear down the nation. And, oh, whoa, whoa. You may not know. You may not want that. That, that may not be a good idea. You know, you, you may not want that. Like, if you look at the scriptures of, of, in history, and if you look at world history, when, when that happens, when God comes in, it's a wrecking ball. Like, it, it changes everything in, in a really difficult way. There is another option in the midst of a time of judgment, which we're in, which is those of us who know neighbors who are bearing bad fruit or see things that are happening that aren't good, we can take our positions like Paul tells us in First Timothy chapter 2 and pray for our nation and ask for mercy. Like Ezekiel tells us throughout the whole book, like Moses did, Lord, have mercy upon us. Lord, I see this thing. Can I go and serve them? Can, can I go in some ways and be a blessing in Babylon? Can I go in some ways and fix them coffee? Can I mow their lawn? Can I go and, and pray for them? Can I go knock on their door and see, can I in some ways like take care of your kid for a day? Can I do something like that? Can I be a way that helps fertilize the soil around me? Can I pray for them, Lord? Give them some more time. And it says here that the man's like, all right, yeah, we can do that. He's a God of mercy first, full of grace, full of compassion. So we anchor our heart in these things, not focusing on that evil thing. Focus on and looking for that which is good. Focus on mercy. All right, so, so Jesus is looking around as he's walking through the streets. You know, he was three years in the land. He's looking everywhere he could for mercy. He's looking. Go to the, he, when he tells the, the 70, he says, go right now into all the villages. I send you out as sheep among the wolves. I send you around evil people. I'm going to send you out the most evil people in the whole world. The most religious and political people in the world. It's all concentrated right now in that time. It was. It, like all the demonic forces, all of it was focused in Israel at that time. I send you out in the middle of all that. A sheep. And here's your strategy. Look for the person of peace. When you go to that person's home, declare peace and rest there. So what are they looking for? Are they looking for the evil that's there? Oh, God, they're terrible. I don't want to go in that city. They pick that up later on. James and John says, hey, listen, the Samaritans, they're not happy with you. Let's just burn the town down. (laughs) That's happening in our nation right now, by the way. Uh, They're burning Portland. Uh, So... Jesus said, hey, that, that's not the spirit that I want you to be going out into. Um, instead, look for the person of peace. Look for who's attracted by your mercy. L- look who is, is filled with a sense of hunger like we experience today for peace. If you're walking around full of joy and hope, blessing people, hey, I love you, man. In today's times, that actually is a measure of goodness of the gospel that's out there. Do you like this? Does it feel good? I was at Target, this is maybe a few months ago now, 
and I was getting some supplies for a class we were teaching. And, uh, and I went to the, you know, to check out. And it was like 7.15, 7.30 in the morning. I think it was Walmart. And the lady there, she just looked like she'd been up all night at a shift or something. And I just was like, hey, how's it going? She's like, oh, good. I'm just tired, tired. I was like, yeah, hey, can I just pray for you? I just want you to have joy right now. I think that God wants you to have joy right now. She's like, oh, my gosh. She just looked at me. <laughs> She's like, all right. <clears throat> So I prayed for her. This is before Corona said, I said, can I put a hand on your shoulder? She's like, oh, right, you know? And I prayed, and she's like, "Woo! What's that? And I was like, that's joy. That's Jesus. He loves you. He's like, she's like, I feel good. And I was like, simple things. Doesn't have to be a big, big deal. We just go out and do that. And... <laughs> We, we, we tend the soil. We, we say, hey, listen, like, can, we, can we ask God that you just be merciful like this? We, we look inwardly. You know? we, we say, hey, first, here's that. We look at the good, then we ask for mercy. And, and in so doing, you know, this will actually help create favor for you, by the way. The, the righteous gain favor by God. Uh, there's a proverb also that says uh, that... Um, Whoever, this is Proverbs eleven twenty seven. Whoever diligently seeks good, seeks favor. Yeah. I like favor. Favor sounds good. Favor is like going up to you know your mommy or daddy and saying, "Hey, can I have a stick of gum today?" And all the other sisters are like, "Me too." And and you're like, "There's only one more left," and you get it. And you're like, "I feel special." Not over and against anybody else, but it's that it's that awareness that God thinks of you as special. Yeah. You know. It says, whoever diligently seeks good seeks favor, but evil comes to him who searches for it. Again, we're going to look on that, that evil thing. And if, if we stick on it for long enough, guess what's going to come after you? It's like, oh, man. So before we do good, we seek after it. And that's really, really important. Da, 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 da. All right, I think I'm going to finish up in just a moment. We, we, see in, uh, we see the greatest example of this on, on the cross. You know, uh, Jesus, you know, left alone, no clothes on, beaten, bloodied, on the way to the cross and on the cross the whole time because the, the Greek is continuously saying, Father, forgive them. Father, forgive them. Father, forgive them. For they don't know what they're doing. They don't know what they're doing. <clears throat> hey, listen, there, there's a huge rock in their soil. You know, of course, they, they can't see me. Can you just take that out? You know, dig around a little bit more. F- forgive them. Mercy, Lord. The, the, the one who came, he said, when I'm lifted up, I'll be glorified. And, and then at that point, he became the, the judge. And on that, judge, on, on that judge's seat, you know, there's mercy now. There's the blood of the, of the lamb. And so we know that when Jesus revealed himself as judge, he revealed himself as one who gives mercy. And so in a time where it's so quick to look at that thing that happens in our nation and be like, you know, and understandably so, like I, I'm a very sensitive guy. Like I'm a, I'm a high feeler. And I, I've been having to be careful because I'm seeing stuff that happens. And I'm instantly wanting to grab somebody and strangle them. <laughs> I mean, the, the, the Jeffrey Epstein thing, like, I'm sorry, like, that, that infuriates me. Like, that, that grieves me to my heart. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, it just like, happens so fast. I mean, what's happening with these kids? And so the, the justice of God, the, the, the vengeance of God, the, the true 
wonderful, redemptive justice of God isn't that that man died in a cell. It would have been better, the justice would have been best if he would have been forgiven, declared innocence, innocent and resurrected uh, you know, when, when the Lord returns back. Let me say that again because it's really important. The greatest justice that could happen to anyone like that is not that they get what they deserve. And, and we are wanting right now so much to give people what they deserve right now. And that's not the way of the Lord. I can just put it bluntly. And so when, he's, when, when we're forgiven, when I'm forgiven, because I've done some terrible things in my life, you know, that's more glorifying to God than that man not repenting. Amen. For that. In this way, all things this side of heaven are going to seem at times unfair. That's a big deal to say that. This side of heaven, there's going to be a lot of things that God does that to us are going to seem unfair. That God does. If God gives that man favor in a jail cell, that raises him up and he becomes the biggest evangelist in the world and goes around telling people how amazing the Lord is, has a huge platform, sells albums and that kind of stuff, there's going to be people that are going to be mad about that. I mean, I'm just putting it bluntly. Like, that's, that's the way of, of the world. And so we have to deal with our own heart. When we see things, hey, listen, it doesn't seem fair that these people are prospering, and I'm not. Look at what they're happened in their generations past. This is, this is our day that we're walking in right now. Uh, and so when we, when we look for the good fruit, when we compassionately listen, and then also challenge one another, because it does tell us in Galatians 6 to rebuke that person, to correct them. We don't, they don't get a free pass. We need to speak up. Yeah. We need to do so in a way, though, that doesn't get me also in the same chair that they're in. Right. Yeah. And so that speck, I'm not going to focus on it. Hey, it's there, Lord. What do you want to do about that? Lord, I'm going to intercede. What do you want to do about that? Hey, hey, there's some bad soil here. What are you going to do about that, Lord? Yeah. What do you want to do about that? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to let my hand stray not, not anywhere close to that right now. Because, I, I, you know... You saw just how, how, how quick it happened to me. Like, there's, there's a, a father in me that, that sees evil and, and wants justice. Yeah. Yeah. And my hand sometimes can be too quick to act. And so I need to, I need to train myself. This is a discipline that we're all walking in. And so if you notice that you're in that place, hey, I, I'm, in, I'm in there too a lot of times. We're practicing this. We are disciples. We are disciplining ourselves. How to be like Jesus, quick to forgive, slow to anger. Yeah. Uh, all right, so just, just as a real quick aside, um, those specks are everywhere. The wolves are everywhere. The evil's everywhere. The specks are there for me. Uh, another way of saying it is that you know, I've got biases. I've got prejudices. All right? We all do. When we become... I think the, the Merriam-Webster dictionary uh, term of it is when we become intolerantly, um, essentially obsessed with our own opinion, where we don't listen to anyone else's opinion, then that's when it becomes bigotry. You know? And so you have to be careful that this that you hold on to, that you think is right and good, your preference, you know, that you, will, you, you hold back because you don't know everything. None of us do. You haven't seen the other side of that tree, and you haven't seen the other side of your own heart. So it's a lot easier to go into conversation knowing that you also have biases and prejudices because then you don't feel the shame of it when it's exposed. 
and it needs to be exposed right now. We need to expose it to one another, confess your sins one to another. And so that's, that, I'm getting a little preachy because that's a, almost a whole other sermon, but I think you guys know in the context what I'm talking about. We hold on to mercy. We look for the good that's out there. We look for these things that are within ourselves, and we refuse, refuse to judge. We refuse to want that person cut out completely of the Lord. You know, the Lord, if you guys look at Psalm 91, that Psalm of Protection, the, the key to it is intimacy. At the end of it, after all that protection, but Lord, if they will not, then do what you must in their life. Okay. And, and, and the Lord, he tells us plainly, he's going to do what he must. And so that's his business. You know, and on the day of judgment, we'll see that, and, and, and we'll, be, we'll be at peace. So, does that sound like a good place to land? Yeah. All righty. Okay. So, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pray, and uh, if there's anything that we hear along the way, uh, we'll open us up for it. So, Father, I thank you so much for revealing your son, Jesus to us as your son and Jesus for revealing to us who the Father is. Oh, Lord, you're so good. You make things clean and clear for us. You empower us so that whatever choice we have before you, you give us the grace to make it well. Father, I bless my friends here in this room with the knowledge that they make good choices and they had the power to make great choices. Father, I declare that they're innocent right now. Father, there's been a lot of things that are sticky and sticking to all of us, like seeds that get into us from what we see in our culture. I ask, Holy Spirit, that right now as an act of your grace and mercy that you would dig up all of those and cleanse it all out as an act of sovereign mercy, God, that you would sovereignly come into all of us who have picked up all these seeds, picked up all these judgments, picked up all these logs and specks, and that you would now cleanse that and so, Father, even if there's some things that you specifically want to bring to the surface right now, I ask that you would not do that. And so, Father, right now, make it clear in however way you want to to the folks in this room, are there any people, are there any things, Lord, that we have looked at them plainly, Lord, as, as bad fruit, where we've picked up their specks, or we've picked up things, God, from them that are just sticking with us in this time? If so, Lord, reveal that. Yeah. I'm just going to wait here for some minutes. As the Lord begins to show you things, just tell him, Jesus, I give this to you. I forgive. Forgive me. I forgive. Forgive me. I don't know everything, God. <laughs> I give you this situation. Whatever it is, whatever's been weighing on your heart, there's a lot of legitimate things that are weighing heavy on a lot of people's hearts. Father, if they become too heavy for us, let us know that you've got it that you're going to do something about it. Give us faith for that, God. For those that are called to be intercessors, that have been holding on to these burdens and it's felt like too heavy now. Holy Spirit, now come, strengthen them, lift these burdens up, take the yoke off their shoulders, and put it on your sons.
Father, there has been a question. I know it's popped up in my own heart at times. Are you really a God of justice in these days? I ask that you'd reveal plainly the truth of that now to all of us. Reveal it in our hearts. Show us right now in your sanctuary, in your presence, that you will bring all things out into the open. You will judge all things correctly, and that we can trust you for that. In these days, with all the things that are going on, Lord, all the things on the border, all the things, Lord, with race, all the things going on with kids, Lord, all the things going on with health and drugs and men, there's so much, Lord. We need you to act. We need you to strengthen our faith in your justice. I also ask, Father, for your mercy, that today would be the day that those folks are forgiven, that today would be the folks that they see your kindness and goodness and recognize that they've been trapped all along and that you would take them out of that bondage and rescue them, God. Rescue them, Lord, I pray. Save them, Lord. Raise up the harvesters, God. Send them out into the fields looking for the peace and those who are ready, those who are hungry. Raise up the harvesters, Lord. Send them out into the city and everywhere they go, God. Shake this nation until your people are raised up and saved, God. Do this, Lord, I pray.